Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. to Brave the Wild with me, your host, Paladino Joey. Brave the Wild is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you again, once again, for joining me today. The Minnesota Wild had a franchise record uh, seven-game road trip, and they come back five and two? Now that's a road trip. Uh, is it safe to say Mikhail Granlin is becoming a great player? Not good, but great. And this isn't a homer take at all, because I am scared to death to call anybody a great player. I used to just kind of shudder when my old friend Mike, years ago, used to say, Oh, Richard Park, he's a great player. I just shudder, like, uh, yeah, he's fast, and he can score sometimes. Great player? No. So, <laughs> so he was just a third liner. He, he had some moments, but... Mikhail Granlin is literally becoming a great player right before our eyes. Uh, it was pretty telling also when we saw Gorgie on the broadcast yesterday. Of course, Kevin Gorg, uh, kind of a sideline reporter for the Minnesota Wild and FSN, Fox Sports North, said basically, yes, it's safe to say he's a sniper. Granlin disagreed, and then he kind of winked at the camera. Yeah, I think it's safe to say he is a sniper. <laughs> and he's looking like it. Ten goals in the season. Mikhail Granlin has been downright outstanding. He's just been unbelievable. Uh, you do the projected statistics, he's got seventeen he's got eighteen points in seventeen games, ten of them goals, and some of his goals have just been friggin' beautiful. He's on pace for eighty seven points being Granlin. Forty eight goals. That's right, forty eight, count him. Now will Granlin get forty eight goals? I don't know, but uh at the same time, there's a pretty good chance Mikhail Granlin if he keeps up this pace to a decent amount of time, to a decent point anyway, and stays healthy, most importantly, Mikhail Granlin just might set a franchise record in goals. That's insane. Years ago, you would have laughed at that thought. Remember, two years ago, he had that breakout year when he had 21 goals, and it's like, all right, cool. He, he, he looks pretty good out there. And then he had the 69 points, tons of assists. We all know what Mikhail Granlin could do with passing the puck, but shooting the puck, there's a skill set there that is incredible. He's got a beautiful shot, and it, it does it, 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 the placement of it, the strength of it, the timing, the, the deceptiveness of that shot is something to behold, and that's why Mikhail Granlin is becoming, yes, a sniper. Um, I can't believe 
it's heading that direction, but it is, and I'm very pleased. Uh, Mikhail Granlin's projected to also be t- plus 29 on the year now. Let's just leave that alone because we don't know, <laughs> but that's all just math. 26 years of age. He's got one more year after this one on his current contract, I believe, and, uh, well, then he's, make, he's making money for his next contract. The guy's playing for his next contract. Hopefully his next one is five years instead of three, but I don't know. I guess three-year contracts are okay as long as he stays. The fear always becomes the cap space. How much cap space is going to be available? But I got to think this team is going to figure out, you know, how to fit him in the cap one way or another. One way or another, whatever it takes. Uh, because signing Mikhail Granlin has got to be a top priority for this club in the future. Um, unless some youngster becomes the next, you know, God knows player out there. I don't know if that's going to happen, even though there are some good players possibly in the system and already on the roster, but haven't really developed into that yet. But uh, beautiful, a beautiful week. Uh, We just have to flip-flop the games with Anaheim and uh, San Jose. And boy, I didn't expect a 5-1 win in Anaheim and how dominant the team played. Alex Stalock was good in that, but the team in front of him was uh, awesome. Uh, Bloodletting victory over St. Louis yesterday. That was painful, but they won. Uh, Lots of uh, bruises, lots of mementos are going to be on players' thighs and legs and God knows shoulders, especially Dubnik there. He got one of them in the upper shoulder area there. So oof, there's going to be some mementos and bruises on players. Lots of shots blocked in the St. Louis game. Going to kind of try to catch up as best I can. Sharks game. There were some mistakes. Uh, very electrifying game. This is the 6th of November, Tuesday night. Very entertaining game. I won't deny that. A 4-3 to three loss in San Jose. Luckily, the last loss the Wild would have Brent Burns, oh my, uh, there was just some bad passing and some uh, occasionally guys just getting caught sleeping on some backdoor plays, unfortunately. Uh, the game was 2 nothing before you knew it, unfortunately. Well, it wasn't that fast, but it felt fast. It was 2 nothing <laughs> at the end of the day. Joe Thornton, only a second goal of the season. Of course, the Wiley veteran who's still hanging around. Zach Parisi ended up burying a power play. And again, Zach Parisi is also on pace for a hell of a season. Matt Dumba also was able to get his fifth goal of the season. I mean, some of the numbers some of these guys have projected out are phenomenal. Like Jared Spurgeon's on pace for 48 points. That sounds kind of crazy. Parisi's on pace for 34 goals and 77 points on the season. It is uh, extremely exciting. But guys caught sleeping here. Brodeen was trying to clear out a puck on the power play. And it was literally, he literally just set up Brent Burns for a one-timer. It's like, you want to believe Dubnik wasn't sharp in the game, but I think the team wasn't sharp in front of him. This is why the blocking shots comes in handy, because Burns was pretty far away on his goal. That was ultimately one of the most frustrating goals in the game. Uh, I guess it was a tip pass, but yeah, it was a tip pass, but the shot ended up going in down the stretch. That's what ended up putting the Sharks ahead. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> tip pass, Barkley Goudreau actually ended up getting it counted for him, only his second goal of the year, but still, that's the whole thing, I mean, nobody got in front of that puck, it was just a beautiful one-timer from uh, from Brett Burns, you could say the assist goes to, the second assist anyway, goes to Jonas Brodeen trying to clear the puck, as literally Burns just let go of that, let go of that shot, the instant the puck came his direction, literally a one-timer, so far away, that's where the frustration came in, and Again, nobody blocking shots, but then that's where things came the headed the direction they did in the future games. Minnesota Wild losing this one, but well, luckily you can move forward and get out of there, I guess, I suppose, and come back with a beautiful three games after this one. Two points for Koivu in the game. That was nice. He had a couple of nice passes, one of them to Parisi, just a beauty. 
the, the, the uh, chemistry on the Kalevu Parisi line is pretty good. It's just the one guy named Niederreiter. He did manage to get an assist in the game. He's not much of a factor, but oh well. At least uh, Kalevu and Parisi have been playing pretty well together. Darkwing Dumba also able to net a goal as Minnesota's got one of the highest scoring defenses in the NHL. In fact, right now it might be tops in the league, believe it or not, even higher than San Jose when you got guys like Carlson and Burns. Burns is just electrifying. I mean, it's like you think he just looks weird out there. That beard is too big, right? I guess he's the James Harden of hockey. I mean, he scores like no tomorrow, and the release on that shot is really something. Uh, Sorensen had a really nice night. Luckily for him, he was all over the place. He was uh, having fun out there, ended up getting an assist on one of the goals uh, as well. Kind of opened up the scoring, him and Thornton kind of working together. Of course, Burns and a gorgeous pass from Sor- uh, to Sorensen. So, sheesh. Mm. Yep, Un- unfortunately a frustrating loss, but San Jose looking like a significantly better team at the end of the day when you come out of this one. Uh, kind of a slow start. Not too surprising, I suppose, with some changes to the roster that are very significant, including Mr. Carlson, but uh, boy, mm. they're starting to starting to look like the best team in the Pacific Division. It ain't Anaheim, it ain't L.A., and I don't think it's Calgary either. Uh, Calgary had a fairly unimpressive loss to San Jose last night. Uh, I, I think that's like the two best teams in the division right there, Calgary, San Jose. Flames will probably finish second, I think. I think, uh, I don't know, after that, Edmonton's going to have to fight because they got crushed last night. Mm, they got absolutely destroyed 4-1, 4-0 to to the Colorado Avalanche. It was 4-0. to Oh, not a good game at all. Let's move on to the Los Angeles game. Game that looked like it could have been a bad one, but luckily the Wild came out okay due to Dubnik just stepping up in a huge way. He he didn't have the best game in San Jose, but again, there were so many mistakes in front of him, you can't really blame him that much. Just, he only faced a, he only stopped 18 shots in the game, so uh, at the end of the day, you do the math, he faced 22 shots. That's not much, but mm, the eighth 3-1 to one win over the Los Angeles Kings, and again... There were some mistakes in the game that could have led to something, but Dubnik stopped just about everything, except very, very early. 27 saves at the end of the day for Dubnik in this game. Good for almost 97% save percentage. Beautiful night for him. That Muzin goal was not pretty, and I think Dubnik basically got mad after that, and then he stopped everything the rest of the way. A very early goal, too, within the first five minutes. Muzin just kind of just lulled everyone to sleep and went past went past some sleeping defenders and then scored right past Dubnik like it was nothing. Alec Martinez assisted on that one, but uh, Nito Niederreiter finally was able to score. Parisi's very nifty pass started by Koivu, kind of like going past the net as Niederreiter was able to kick, kind of kick it in without kicking it in, if you know what I mean, off the shin pad, off the stick, whatever it was, but just the momentum of Niederreiter going to the net was able to power it in. <laughs> Why Niederreiter would even be on the power play is beyond me, but I suppose this must have been the second power play unit. Yeah, because I think Granlin's going to be on the top power play unit nowadays. Pretty good chance. Uh, Parisi ended up with two points in the game, a gorgeous pass from Koivu for his uh, sixth goal of the season. And again, Dubnik, again, there were some mistakes in front of him, and he was stopping everything that came his way. Just absolutely beautiful throughout the game. Some hard hitting here and there in this game, and Granlin would finish it off with a shorty. Koivu, very unselfish play. He could have had the, he could have, he, he could have taken the goal himself, and I wouldn't have blamed him. But well, he still got an assist out of it. His ninth of the season. Granlin his seventh goal. You're going to be talking about three more goals coming up, including two against the Sharks. Uh, Dion Vanuf, kind of a disruptor in the game. You can tell that's pretty much all he's become at the end of the day. He was just kind of jawing at, at Zucker and, and other players throughout the game, kind of off and on. I guess that's really all he is now. 
used to be a factor in the league. He used to be a high-scoring defenseman. Now it's like, who the hell is Dion Vanup anymore? I don't know. He's just okay, I guess. <laughs> kind of is what he is, and uh, good for him, I suppose. 3-1 to one win over an L.A. team that was on a bit of a sugar high with the coaching change. They'd been playing significantly better. Parisi, again, that goal was a 700th point. I gotta mention that. And we'll talk about that in a very brief fan interaction part of uh, segment number two there as we wrap up the show. Very nice, though. 700 points for Zach Parisi on that nice pass from Koivu. Pretty cool. Anaheim. Oh, boy. 5-1. to one. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the whole game, the Wild just dominated the puck. They dominated the shots on that. I mean, it wasn't even close. It was like 20. The Wild were like 20 shots ahead pretty much the whole game, and it was so fun. 5-1. to one. I mean, the score reflects how well the Wild played. It, it, it really does. Um, and, of course, there was no need for an empty netter in this one as the Wild had built up a big enough lead. The Ducks were not going to allow the Wild to score anymore. The Ducks are in trouble. And I'm not too surprised because, I don't know, some of their star players are getting older and then the rest of them are just, they're just okay. Gibson had been having an awesome start to the season, but boy, the Wild kicked his butt. Uh, some early stops early on. Some great saves by Gibson, and it looked like, yeah, it's going to be exactly what I thought, a two-to-one type of game. Hopefully Stalock can hold his own and the Wild can win this sucker. If we go to overtime, I think we'll win because Stalock obviously is the best goal you're going to have for for an overtime period with the way he sets up players in that three-on-three. Greenway ended up getting his second goal of the season, a close call, but it did cross the line. You could see it, and Yul Eriksson-Eck finally scored his first point in the season. It was actually a pretty good pass, and Yul Eriksson-Eck had, uh, he's, he's had some good chances the past couple nights leading into this game, and ultimately, finally, last uh, yesterday afternoon, I guess the St. Louis Blues was able to bury his first goal of the season. Oh, but uh, he'd been having some chances against the Sharks, Against the Kings, he had a very good wraparound opportunity that got stopped. Oh, heartbreaking. Basically knocked off the puck on that one. Had some good opportunities against Anaheim. But finally, finally he was able to score against the St. Louis Blues yesterday. Finally able to get his first point, though, on the green-white goal. Coyle, that third line has been so quiet. Oh, they've been so quiet. Nice to see them uh, working together on that one. And then you just see some gorgeous plays, about four minutes apart. Zucker and Granlin just setting each other up. Granlin just waiting patiently behind the net. Spurgeon did factor in the first assist uh, on that one, or second assist, we'll say, actually. Granlin just waiting behind the net, waiting for Zucker to come, and then releases that little diagonal pass to Zucker, was able to kind of one-time it into the net. And then a switcheroo, Zucker from behind the net, Granlin attacking, coming in waiting for it, and then, of course, a very quick release on the one-timer in stride to the net. Eighth goal of the season. Boy, oh boy, just the beautiful chemistry between those guys. It's a, it's a absolutely wonderful thing to watch. Uh, Zucker's got 11 points on the season, at least as of this game. Um, five goals, six assists. When these two guys are on their game, it is unbelievable, and I think this team, that, that line is one of the best lines in, in hockey. Stahl hasn't been factoring in the scoring lately, but Granlin and Zucker are doing a good job of it, and of course Stahl can be a bit of a decoy at times as well. He's always a threat, so I mean, Zucker and Granlin working together and getting the job done, it is a absolutely beautiful thing. Brodeen only his first assist of the season on the actual Granlin goal, and Zucker set up Granlin from behind the net. Alberg finally got the Ducks on the board near the end of the second period, but that would be all she wrote. It was, it was in the power play, so the Ducks were due to finally score something in the game, but again, that would be all she wrote. Brodeen would have a two-point game on a rifle shot. The Ducks were caught sleeping on a uh, 
on, on a line change. There was just nobody there, and Brodine was able to just kind of take it close enough to the net and then rifle it past Mr. Gibson. So again, the Ducks not playing so hot in front of him. And then Granlin's second goal, kind of a spin rooney almost as the puck was coming his way. He just kind of turned around and let it go on the backhand. Another nice pass from Zucker, and Stahl did get his seventh assist on that one. So good. Nice to see that top line for Minnesota looking like the top line that they are as they factored in three of the goals in this game. Absolutely awesome. Very happy for the third line to finally get something going again. Greenway again kind of powering in his second goal of the season past Gibson fairly early in the game. In fact, actually, yeah, very early in the game after some good uh, stops from Gibson. Very good. Uh, just you, you could tell right away this Wild team was on a mission in this game. They were really ready to score. As, as this Ducks team had dominated the Wild, uh, good start for Boudreaux versus the Ducks. He started out well. I think they won one and then lost in overtime in the second. And then ever since then, just like the Ducks had dominated the Wild since Boudreaux's been here. And then this one was like, a, nope, not anymore. The Ducks clearly the inferior team and the Wild looking like a division championship type of team. If, if, if only we weren't in the Central Division. Stalock stopped 20 of 21 shots coming his way. Again, the defense and the puck possession dominant throughout the game for Minnesota. Most especially the puck possession as the Wild just were constantly in the Anaheim zone and getting the job done throughout the night and getting so many shots on net that uh, it pretty much left uh, John Gibson's head spinning. Uh, 43 shots on net in the game. And again, five of them goals for Minnesota. Gotta love how that took place. And then the blood letter. Whew. Sunday afternoon matinee. I don't like these matinee games and it was a tough one and St. Louis is playing significantly better after an awful start because they need to get things going. Different goalie in net this time is a couple of weeks back. Jake Allen struggled mightily. Now you got the the Wiley veteran Chad Johnson who's had some good nights. He's the Wild beat him pretty bad with New York years ago but pretty much ever since then Chad Johnson has pretty much been a stonewall in front of the Wild. Not in this game, as Wild only ended, Wild only ended up getting 18 shots on net in this game. It wasn't an exciting game in terms of like great scoring chances, but the Wild buried what they needed to. Uh, Dubnik was phenomenal throughout the night once again. 31 shots on net, and he ended up giving up two goals in the game. <clears throat> but the Wild able to get well, actually, no. St. Louis ended up scoring first in the in the first period, and it just it felt like it was going to be one of those boring two to one losses in St. Louis or something like that. Maybe maybe even worse. But uh, at first, I thought it was a home game at the very beginning, and I'm like, why are the Wild wearing white today? And then, oh yeah, duh, it is in St. Louis. <laughs> My mind was just sleeping all day yesterday. I was out of it all day. Um, and but again, I mean, the Wild blocked so many shots throughout the game. So I mean, St. Louis clearly was more active. In terms of the puck possession, St. Louis had the puck much more in the game, but the Wild played their hearts out in this game in terms of blocking so many shots. To think 31 of them got on net, yeah, they, they blocked so many more throughout the game. I mean, it's unbelievable. Eric Stahl blocked two. Granlin blocked two, clearing very late. Koivu blocked three. Zach Parisi blocked two. Eric Sinek one. Niederreiter one. Felino one. Turning some huge ones down the stretch. Pattern and Cedar, uh, Sealer. <laughs> wow, seven blocks between those two guys. Sealer with four, Pattern with three. Pattern had a pretty painful one. Parisi's was pretty painful as well in the thighs. And again, Mr. Uh, yeah, I mean, then Dumba, Spurgeon, and Brodine also had a block in the game. Studer was the only one who didn't. That's kind of funny. Hmm. And also interesting to know, Dumba had more time on ice than Studer. About 30 seconds more. Hmm. 
kind of cool actually um, but no a very very hard fought game for the Minnesota Wild again as clearly they were they were they were tired they'd been on the road for so long and they've they've had some tough games and St. Louis had a little more energy of course they're playing better lately they're trying to get back into contention as they clearly well they're coming they're they're trying to dig themselves out of a hole right now and Minnesota able to play with the uh, pizzazz and uh, or well not the pizzazz but the <laughs> the grit and willing to willing to take some serious hits throughout the game the the bruises and the pain and pray to god it doesn't hit the wrong spot and, you know i mean parisi's had broken feet before uh p- players have gotten hit in the ankle obviously need a rider in the past i mean it's a bummer but luckily nothing crazy like that happened again dubnik very painful hit in the shoulder too that hit kind of the wrong spot a little bit but luckily not 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 any type of broken bone or anything but certainly a big bruise Dubnik still phenomenal throughout the game. St. Louis scored twice in the game, ultimately. Very entertaining performance. Though uh, Peter Angelo was able to score after the Wildwood scored two goals extremely early in the second period. Parisi able to get his seventh, and then finally Hugh Erickson Eck rewarded off a ni- very nice pass from Greenway, actually. Beautiful pass from Greenway. Just 30 seconds later, it was uh, pretty awesome. It was actually about 25 seconds later. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. But it was like, wait a minute, they scored it, and they scored again. What, what what am I watching here? Is it just a replay? Oh, damn. No, they scored again. And sometimes you just kind of, your mind wanders after the goal sometimes because you're not expecting anything right away. Maybe a couple of nice shot attempts, but you're not expecting an actual goal. But that's exactly what took place. Just a couple seconds apart from each other. Peter Angelo would tie it up, and it's like, ah. So then you're going to have to hope and pray to God the Wild can pull through right away from the midpoint on. It was grind it out, gut it out, take every hit possible. Oh, man. And the Wild were delivering a lot of hits in the game. And, boy, it got pretty interesting between Steeler and Perron. Perron kind of, Perron and Steeler both sent to the uh, <laughs> sent to the penalty box for roughing. Uh, Perron basically had been pretty much been agitating Steeler the whole game. And Steeler, you could read his lips. He goes, go ahead, just talk, 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 talk. Let's go. Let's go. Let's let's let let's go out there. Let's see. Basically, <laughs> it was pretty fun, pretty fun interaction. I love when you can actually read guys' lips. Uh, Sealer literally calling for Perron to let's go, and then Perron whistled for a <laughs> slash late in the game after Mikhail Granlund was able to get yet another goal, his tenth of the season, which ended up leading the Wild to victory. Spectacular again. Another good setup by Zucker on that one. It was unassisted at one point, but Zucker was rewarded with one of the assists in the game, because it was actually, the pass was there, they just didn't record it at the beginning, I was like, I, I don't think it was unassisted, but a nice kind of, again, where Granlin was kind of spinning around with the backhand from a decent distance away, was able to get it past Chad Johnson, but then again, <clears throat> St. Louis, empty net, trying to work with the man advantage, the extra skater, it wasn't a man advantage, but extra skater, obviously with no goalie, it's kind of dangerous, duh, but that's how it is, that's hockey for you. And then a slashing penalty on Perron, on Steeler. So Steeler ended up <laughs> taking another hit. I'm sure that didn't feel really good on his hand, obviously. But Steeler, again, taking the sacrifice and putting up with Perron's attitude throughout the game. And St. Louis lost Perron in a time in the game when they really needed to... <laughs> when they really needed to uh, get get that spark and tie the game up there down the stretch. 
and I swear I read Mike Yo's lips, I think he said something along the likes of that, well, that was bleeping dumb. He was kind of just looking down, kind of mumbling to himself. Well, that was bleeping dumb. It's basically, I believe, what uh, Mike Yo was saying. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he was probably whispering to himself like, oh, God, I can't imagine. Not a good play by Perron, and that's okay. That's okay, as long as Sealer's all right. That's all I care about at the end of the day. Nice slashing penalty on Perron. That was actually the next penalty after the whole Sealer-Perron roughing. There were no penalties for seven minutes, and then late down the stretch, with two minutes and change remaining, Perron whistled for slashing in a moment, in a time when the, the St. Louis Blues could have used that uh, extra skater to actually do something rather than just have to have an extra skater to be five on five. Very costly there. Dubnik was awesome, and Minnesota ends up coming out the victors once again. Awesome game, and oh, man. I can imagine how tired they were, and they were able to get the job done against the team again. That's trying to get themselves back into contention again, because they were supposed to be in contention. And they come out 6-6-3 six, six, and three to St. Louis, Minnesota, 11-4-2. Number three record in all of hockey. Second place in the ever-dangerous Central Division, because Nashville's got 26 points. Jeez. And on the other side, boy, it's just mm, still one team ahead. Not surprising, Tampa Bay is that team with 25 points. Toronto with 22. Boston with 22. A team that is quite surprising, though. A team that would have been a huge uh, choice for a surprise this year is Vancouver. Luckily, Calgary's still hanging around, but that was a crappy loss yesterday. I mean, then again, it wasn't that bad. It's just they just couldn't score for crap, and and Jones was spectacular for the uh, San Jose Sharks. So kind of is what it is. You can tell I kind of like the Flames just a little bit, but... <laughs> Especially like their logo and merchandise and all that. But, eh, move on. Obviously, the Wild are 110% my team. A team that's been a huge surprise so far this year as I'm getting near the end of this first segment is the Buffalo Sabres. They have uh, really been coming on. And, of course, they have enough prospects on that team and in their system that it's they're bound to turn around at some point. I mean, they've been bad for a long time. So, they're starting to, maybe they're going to get back to how they were back in the 90s and, and the 80s when they were a pretty dangerous team. Uh, I'm glad they're back to that logo, though, the current one with the actual Sabres, rather than that goofy-looking, fiery-looking Buffalo they had in the late 90s and early 2000s. I like this retro look so much better, and good on Buffalo for doing that, even though it's not completely retro. So with that, I'll get off that for now. Let's get to the awards for the week. The Mike Madonna Award, or should we call it the Neil Broughton Award? I'm thinking of changing it to the Neil Broughton Award. Because Neil Broughton's from Minnesota, and he's like all-time, like he was one of the greatest all-time American scorers. Of course, Madonna is the all-time American scorer. Um, I I don't know. Maybe somebody somebody out there that's listening right now, post on the Facebook page or the uh, Twitter account. You'll see it in the show description. If you have an opinion, a strong opinion on it, would you like it to be the Neil Broughton Award or... The, uh, keep it the Mike Madonna Award, but whatever it is, it's going to go to Mikhail Granlin. Absolutely spectacular. And of course, honorable mention, and basically another one for uh, Devin Dubnik. Again, another great week. But Granlin is unbelievable. Uh, Parisi also deserves a ton of credit. He has been phenomenal the whole season, and he's on pace again. 77 points, 34 goals. That is the exact Parisi of old, and it is such a joy to watch. Such a joy, without a doubt. James Shepard Memorial? Mm. Um... Nobody? No, I don't know. Uh, some, some, some of the sometimes the goofy lapses. It's like I can't get mad at Brodeen, even though he makes some goofy lapses on occasion. With the, with him, it's the passes, and with Dumba, it's the positioning. Sometimes he he'll he'll go after a guy, and leave his man open, and that that's what happened in the San Jose game. It it happens all the time with Dumba, <clears throat> but you also saw Greenway get burned pretty bad early in the 
in the, in, in the San Jose game, the first goal of the game, actually, for the Sharks, where, uh, I forgot his name now, <laughs> where he was left open. Why am I forgetting that guy's name? Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, but just left open for the uh, frustrating goal there. Trying to, but uh, at the end of the day, the James Shipper Memorial is just, just generally the little lapses that pop up. Again, Brodeen, it's his passing more than his positioning. Dumba, it's his positioning. Uh, but generally speaking, you can't get too mad at this team right now. They've been playing so damn well. So I'm just going to kind of leave that as is and talk about the lapses. And it was Sorensen. That's who I thought it was. Yeah, the name wasn't coming back in my head for a while because I've been look, talking about all these other guys. So we're going to take a quick break and look at the wild schedule up and coming a bit and talk about the prospects like I always do and get to a small comment about the uh, 700 points. So it looks like we'll be previewing two or three games. Ah, I'll do three because I want to talk about Buffalo. preview the three games against Washington, Vancouver, and Buffalo, and look at the prospects a bit. It's been some positive weeks there for uh, some of the guys in Iowa. So, good. Good good signs kind of starting to perk up down there, including some of the same guys doing very well as of a week ago. Well, Minnesota will host the Washington Capitals on the 13th of November. Hopefully that's not a bad luck number, but whatever it is, the Minnesota Wilds is going to host the uh, Capitals. Washington Capitals are 7-6-3. Seven, 7-6-3. Six, hmm, that's the area code here in the Twin Cities, or east in the, well, the, the western suburbs. Washington's hanging on to something right now. They're trying to get into the wild card range. They're, they'd actually be kind of sort of out right now, tied with their arch rivals, the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's kind of funny. Columbus leading the division there in the Metropolitan. Philadelphia knocking on the door with uh, Brian Elliott as their goalie. Thomas Grace is doing pretty good for the New York Islanders. Okay, let's move on. Heck, the Rangers have a winning record, but barely. And what's going on with the Devils? They started so well, and they had so much promise, and they're not doing good. Anyhow, <laughs> let's get to the point here. Ovechkin leading the club with 12 goals. No surprise. Kutsunov leading the team with points. Braden Holby is not having a good year uh, after a great season last year. And, of course, the postseason, he was spectacular. He was one of the MVPs of the, uh, the whole thing when... The Washington Capitals went on to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, this team has been a thorn in the side for the Wild for a long time. Uh, T.J. Oshie always seems to find a way to score. He has Minnesota ties. He's not from Minnesota, but Minnesota ties. A uh, very strong defenseman in John Carlson, who was on my fantasy team last year. Oh, goody. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom, Ovechkin, Kutsunov. Obviously, some very dangerous players on this club. Nick Dowd. I wonder if there's any relation to, to Jim. Hmm. I don't want to... I don't know. Well, we'll worry about that some other time. Um... Washington Capitals, though, I mean, they have not been playing well lately. They lost to Columbus, Arizona recently on the 11th Veterans Day here. 4-1, uh, to one. woof-da. Uh, they beat Pittsburgh 2-1. to one. They beat Edmonton 4-2 to two and lost to Dallas 4-3 to three recently. Washington is not playing particularly well. The Wild are, are, well, they have not lost a game at home in regulation. They are undefeated in regulation, are the Minnesota Wild at this stage. Oh boy, this team has been a pain in the ass for the Wild historically, but I think the Wild keep their uh, I, th I think they keep their home ice record 
intact against the Washington Capitals is the next team that I'm a little more worried about, to be quite honest, believe it or not, which just sounds funny considering this is the defending champ and the next team was one of the worst teams in the league the last few years. But I think Minnesota's going to overcome. I don't like the way Holby's playing. Ovechkin's going to score one or two because he always does against the Wild. 12 so far on the year, only two ahead of Granlin, which is really weird considering Ovechkin's probably the best goal scorer in the NHL for, for, for a while now. <clears throat> Pretty much since he started playing years and years ago. Um, Minnesota's going to win the game. I, I'm I'm expecting a pretty solid 4-2 win for Minnesota. Most likely guy to score for Minnesota over the Washington Capitals. Let's go East Coast. Let's go with a guy that's played the Capitals many times. Eric Stahl will score. He'll end his, his small little drought here. He's, he's, he's been in a slight drought. It's not the worst thing ever. He's just been a little quieter than he's been normally. He's still on pace for 65 points. That was Eric Stahl. 12 on the season. It's not like he's stinking. He's just been a little quieter. While his other uh, line mates have been tearing up the, have been tearing it up, especially Grindland. Uh Stahl will be the most lucky guy to score against the Washington Capitals. Let's move on to the Vancouver Canucks. Rut row. <laughs> this is a uh, on Thursday the fifteenth. Now, of course, <clears throat> the thirteenth is tomorrow, Tuesday, against Washington. Now, these are all home games until the Wild head to Chicago on the 18th of November, and eventually Thanksgiving is going to come up on us pretty quick here. Whew, 22nd, that's not that far away anymore, is it? Vancouver Canucks, this is going to be a very fun game to watch, a good test for the Wild, considering how the Canucks kind of beat the crap out of us last time. The Wild had kind of an icky game, and things did not go well, and of course, empty net goal brought the score up a little higher. It was a 4-2 to game between Minnesota and Vancouver. Uh, San Jose Sharks are a point behind Vancouver, Calgary, same thing, because those are the three division leaders in the Pacific Division. Anders Nilsson has been having a better year than Jacob Markstrom, as he, I guess, has been the starter this year. But Markstrom, well, Markstrom's seen more games. Nilsson has been has been hurt at a off and on. Markstrom was pretty good against the Wild last time, though, about two weeks ago. It was pretty good. There are some nice players on this team, and Brock Besser's been fairly quiet because he's missed a few games. Of course, he's missed five games in the season, but when he's been out there, he's been extremely productive. Of course, North Dakota and Minnesota native. North Dakota player. North Dakota fighting Hawks, fighting Stu, whatever you want to call them. The fighting somethings. Uh, Louis Erickson, the Wiley veteran who's been all over the place. Boston and... and um, uh, Dallas, of course. I think they, I think he played on Montreal at some point, but definitely Boston and Dallas. Uh, still playing. He's been playing forever, and he's got 11 points in 18 games. He's good enough for me, man. I mean, I wouldn't mind him instead of, say, say a uh, Nino Niederreiter on the second line with uh, Parisi and Koivu. I wouldn't mind Louis Erickson with that group. Brock Besser would be better, though, than anybody. Uh, of course, Brock Besser would be better than... Uh, <laughs> Cunning, as good as Cunning is, Besser has been the better player so far. Uh, Elias Pat- uh, Peterson Patterson is leading the way for the Vancouver Canucks in only 12 games, 17 points. He's got Granlin-like numbers, 10 goals, 7 assists. Bo Horvat, who's a fairly high draft pick a few years back, about 23 years old, nice up top-line center for the uh, Vancouver Canucks. He's got 9 goals on the year. I picked him up yesterday, believe it or not. He's, it's hard to believe he's just sitting there available as long as he was, but uh, Bo Horvat has definitely emerged nicely. He hasn't had spectacular numbers in the past, but it looks like he's going to have a huge season this year as he's starting to break through. Another youngster is starting to break through. A guy by the name of Marcus Granlin. Yes, younger brother of Mikhail Granlin, of course, of the Wild. He's emerging nicely. Uh, I was happier when he was with Calgary because I thought that was cool. Minnesota and Calgary, my two favorite teams. I talk about that a million times. And, of course, again, way higher Minnesota over Calgary, but you get the idea. It's okay to like another team. It's okay. 
It's okay. I'm not worshiping the Flames. I'm not cheering for them when the when they play the Wild, <laughs> unless I want the Wild to tank or something. The Wild can't tank with the way their cap is structured. They cannot tank. They cannot. <laughs> you can't spend that kind of money and tank. So it's just you just can't. <laughs> Let's move forward though. I'm blabbing here. Uh, Granlin with nine points on the season, three of them goals, and he played pretty well against Minnesota last time around. There's always that little sibling rivalry between the two. Vancouver's won three out of their last four. They beat Chicago 4-2, to 7-6 to six over Colorado. Nice win, but geez, six goals allowed, but seven scored against Colorado. Very impressive. High-flying game on November the 2nd. 3-2 to two, disappointing loss in Detroit, and they beat Boston 8-5. to five. Man, Vancouver scores like crazy. This is a good offense, isn't it? Their defense isn't real good, but they score, boy. They, they find a way to put the puck in the net. Uh, even Jake Vertanen, seven goals despite only nine points. Seven goals on the year for him. And a loss at Buffalo. And eventually they'll be playing the Minnesota Wild after they hang around in New York for a couple games there. Back-to-back with the Rangers and Islanders, of course. Now they're like the Brooklyn Islanders. Damn it, go back to the Islands. Screw Brooklyn. I hate Brooklyn. Go Islanders, man. I don't want to think about the Brooklyn Nets and other celebrities in that area. I'm not a big fan of certain celebrities around there. Uh, but uh, go uh, go wild in this one. I, it's going to be a tough game. <sighs> Dubnik's going to have to really be sharp in this one. The Minnesota Wilds are going to have to play a lot uh, more solid defense. They're kinda, than, and they have been. They've been playing a lot better than they were last time they played the uh, uh, Vancouver Canucks. But then again, the Wild were on like a 5-6 game win streak, if I remember correctly. And Vancouver was the team that knocked it down. And then the Wild went on another little little win streak and then got knocked down by the Sharks. Again, some mistakes here and there. I expect a better game, but I don't know. Can I pick the Wild to go 3-0 and during this stretch? I can, but is that kind of homeristic a little bit? If you're going to lose one game, I guess it's this one. If you're going to lose one game, maybe it'll go to overtime and the Wild maintain their regulation excellence. I mean, you can't be perfect at home, even though the Wild have been phenomenal at home. But just never in the frickin' playoffs, though. Why don't you win some playoff games at home, for cripe's sake? Cripes with a P. Um, again, let's say, like, boy, 4-3, to three, something like that. Overtime loss. Overtime or shootout loss. I think Vancouver's going to win the game. Who's going to be the hero? I have no idea. I guess Pedersen or Horvat. I'm, I'm going to pick Horvat or actually even Besser. Might be the hero down the stretch. The most likely guy to score for Minnesota in this matchup. Let's go with... <laughs> it's going to be Granlin. Granlin always plays well against the uh, Vancouver Canucks. He had the hat trick years ago. Again, playing against the uh, Marcus Granlin when he just arrived there from the uh, uh, Calgary Flames. Um, I'm going to pick Granlin to score his, at least his 11th goal if he doesn't score it against Washington the night before. But at least his 11th goal. Uh, Vancouver lost in a shootout against Buffalo. That's our next opponent. Interestingly, that was uh, Vancouver's last opponent. So everything's kind of spun together in a web. Jacob Markstrom, I mean, dang, he's he's so mediocre, yet he, I don't know, he was awesome against us, and he was good against us last year, too. Jacob Markstrom's a pretty good goalie. He's beatable. He's definitely beatable, but this Vancouver offense is pretty good. 4-3 to three overtime slash shootout loss. Most likely got to score. Mikhail Granlin. Buffalo Sabres, another Minnesota ties. There's Minnesota ties everywhere in the NHL. A guy that's emerged beautifully after being a pretty solid player for uh, Carolina for the last few years. Jeff Skinner has just been freaking awesome for Buffalo. What an addition. And the Buffalo Sabres would be in the playoffs if the season ended today. It's only November, but hey, nice start to, for the season for Buffalo. There's one guy there, though, that's a sugar high, just like last year. Jason Sugar High Pominville. He's starting off the season really hot like he... 
sometimes did with the Wild, but he did last year with Buffalo. Um, looking like the Pominville of Buffalo before, back when Pominville was their best player, basically, years ago. Best or second best player, him and Vanek and all that. Thomas Vanek, <sighs> leave that alone. Eight goals on the season, 15 total points for Jason Pominville in only 15 games. Will it last? Of course not. It's not going to last, but Eichel and Skinner and Sam Reinhardt, that's a nice top group there. Kyle Oposo's underachieved pretty much as he got to the league, though he had some good seasons really early. Argo Scandella, Mr. Stay-at-home, Mr. Solid, Mr. Physical, Mr. Fourth, third or fourth best defenseman on pretty much everybody out there, except maybe Buffalo. Only five points on the season. Doesn't get involved in the play all that much, but occasionally his rocket shot gets through or helps out somebody else with a deflection. Five points on the year, only one official goal for him. Casey Middlestat, of course, the uh, phenom from Eden Prairie, ultimately uh, played with the Gophers for one year, just barely even had a chance to even develop. He showed some flashes, but you never really saw the spectacular game out of Middlestat. Uh, then again, though, obviously the skill was there, the flashing talent was there, but it's like, shoot, he wasn't with Minnesota long enough to really step up. I wish he played with the Gophers one more year, just get, just one more year with Bob Moscow, see what happens. But of course, <clears throat> it is what it is. You get this opportunity to move forward to the NHL. Only six points so far. He scored his first goal very early, like they usually do, and then it's been fairly quiet since uh, his first goal of, of his career was last year, again, after the Gophers were eliminated from uh, tournament to play, unfortunately, uh, by, what, 10,000, by one ten-thousandth of a, it's just so frustrating, <laughs> one, by one ten-thousand or whatever, I don't even know how to explain it, very, very uh, crazy odds there that they were knocked out. Uh, Casey Middlestat, though, again, only six points in the season. Buffalo is a good team. I like the Wild's chances against them, though. The Wild have had good games against Carter Hutton, believe it or not. The one I'm afraid of is Linus Ulmark. Even though his numbers are basically the same, he's had a shutout on the year, and he's 3-0. and uh, Carter Hutton is 6-6, six and six, thus making the Buffalo Sabres 9-6 and six on the season. Carter Hutton, of course, phenomenal last year with St. Louis, but for some strange reason, the Wild played pretty well against him. Just unbelievable with St. Louis last year, and well-deserving of a starting role with somebody, ultimately Buffalo, and helping them possibly make the playoffs with some of these nice prospects they have. Uh, some wily veterans and still a very young guy they acquired via free agency and Jeff Skinner, who's really made them better. He's a plus 11 so far for his club, uh, his new club in Buffalo anyway. Um, boy, he's the only guy with a winning with a winning record in face-offs, by the way, except for Connor Seary, who's only taken a couple face-offs. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Everybody else is losing in their face-offs. All the other centers, but Skinner, again, he barely plays center. Uh, Jack Eichel, very solid as well, 19 points, but only four of them goals. Much more of a early, early Granlin, we could say, playmaking guy, but 19 points in 17 games. That's nothing to sneeze at. Minnesota's going to win the game 3-2, 3-2, 4-2 type of game. <clears throat> Maybe an empty netter down the stretch, but I think Minnesota wins in regulation. Buffalo does not get a point against the Wild. Love the way the Wild are playing. I think the most likely guy to score against the Buffalo Sabres will be... Uh, let's go with Jared Spurgeon. I got a feeling about that one. Jared Spurgeon will score against the Buffalo Sabres from the blue line or something like that. Just getting the puck on net. So one of those, one of his beauty little shots. Put it on net and score. Also wouldn't be surprised to see Zucker score in this one. And of course Parisi. He's the guy who's been scoring like crazy as well. But I'm going to go with Spurge. and going to step out on a limb a little bit. Even though Jared's been having a very, very nice year. And I, I hope he stays healthy this time. Because maybe he'll finally get to that 40 point range. Which I do believe is very much in the cards for a healthy version of Jared Spurgeon. 
Wild go 2-1 or 2-0-1, in my opinion, actually, this week. Five out of six points coming up by Saturday. So the Wild will continue their very stellar play with 29 points by the end of the week, in my humble opinion. Let's take a pause and head into prospect land. As now, indeed, the Iowa Wild so far. Kel O'Reilly just dominating, of course. Again, a guy who would maybe be a minor call-up here and there. He's please seen action in the NHL. But unlikely he's going to get on the wild unless there's some major injuries. Mason Shaw has continued to be one of the uh, really bright spots when it comes to the young prospects for the wild. Again, 19 years of age, 10 points on the season, three goals out of that. Again, nice playmaker, nice solid second line center or top line center, whatever you want to say. Kyle Rowe also has been phenomenal down there with nine points. Not phenomenal, but excellent. Luke Cunning had been quiet for a little while, but generally speaking, He's definitely taken a step up versus last season. Justin Clues has taken a slight step down, and he's missed some games. He's been banged up a little bit. Um, I was kind of sad with how this thing started off with Sam Anas. <clears throat> he scored three goals this past week, so that's good. He's now up to six points in 13 games. Again, very solid play. Four four overall points for Sam Anas after a very, 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 very slow start to the season. There was some other play. Yep, Dmitry Sokolov had a multi-goal game during the past during this past week. Remember, he'd only played six games and had three assists. He actually had three assists in the very first three games of his season down there in Iowa. <clears throat> Came back and in only two games, ended up getting four points, two goals, and two assists in those games. But one of them was just two goals right away and then assist, <laughs> and then multiple assists as well in the games that he returned. So very nice start. Uh, very nice return for Dmitry Sokolov. Pardon me. He had two assists the first night he came back, his seventh game of the season, and two goals the next night. So, great. Nice to see Dmitry Sokolov, who dons number 28 down there in Iowa. Brennan Mendel at seven points, all assists so far this season. So, again, <clears throat> Brennan Mendel being a factor. Louis Belpedio added his third assist and fourth overall point in the most recent game, which was a loss just recently. Matt Reed back down in Iowa. Susie stuck at only two points in only seven games. He's missed time down there unfortunately. Will Biden acquired from Montreal. Only one assist so far in the ten games. And Kapu Kukkonen <clears throat> was able to get his first shutout not too long ago. In his third game, he got his first shutout at the AHL level. Very spectacular. After a yucky first game for Kapu Kukkonen, He's been phenomenal in the next two, giving up only one in a second, and then a shutout in the next. So again, <laughs> Finland's finest there. Kapo Kalkinen, draft pick 2014 at a very young age. Still very, 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 very promising for him. Only 22 years old. Goals against average right now, 1.32. Just dominating. Andrew Hammond, 6-3. and three. Goals against average just under 3, unfortunately. And a save percentage of 9.11 at this stage. But, uh, boy, Kapo Kukkonen, over 95% save percentage in the three games he's been in there. Very exciting to see Kapo Kukkonen uh, shaking off the jitters of that first yucky game. He's been awesome uh, since then, in the two games since. So, very, very promising start for him. Jack McBain still only has only one assist so far in <clears throat> six games now for the for Boston College. He's been struggling, unfortunately. Sam Henches, after that great start, well, the last, this last weekend, he didn't add another point, unfortunately. But he's a plus 11 now, so he added another plus, I suppose. Still stuck at uh, six points, but still great start to his collegiate career for the St. Cloud State Huskies. Again, that's a guy to keep an eye on. I love these seventh-round picks, man. They always seem to kind of come around. Hmm. Even Ladnia, let's go into the OHL briefly here. Niagara Ice Dogs. Even Ladnia at 17 points. Six of them goals for OHL's Niagara Ice Dogs at this stage. Sweeney. 
And a multi-goal game this weekend. All right. Two goals for Nick Sweeney after a couple of quiet weeks there. He's now at seven points. Three of them goals in the ten games for the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. Gotta love Nick Sweeney. That's another seventh-round pick. Another good pick for Doug Risebrow in that stage. Or Sam Hentges. This is in the uh, Fenton regime. But I do think a lot of the staff picked these players. Not so much uh, Mr. Fenton. Fenton probably approved most of them. But still. Brandon Duhame's been pretty quiet, unfortunately. Very quiet start to his uh, season. No points this past week, only th well, but three goals though on the year. He's actually scoring goals this year, only one assist, four total points for Providence in his junior year. So before you know it, in a year or so, Brandon Doheim will more than likely wind up with Iowa at the very least, and we'll see what happens with that. Jack Sadik, that's another seventh round pick, and of course Gopher ties, which is what I care about especially. He got one more assist this past weekend in a split in Wisconsin and Madison. So he's at two assists in the seven games to start out his senior season with the golfers. Jack Stadick will likely suit up for Iowa. Hopefully he doesn't wind up in the ECHL because that's kind of like purgatory. Nick Boca, very quiet. Michigan as well. Sixth round pick that same year. He's in his, his senior season. Three total assists in the nine games he's been so far for the <clears throat> Michigan Wolverines. Paul Volgenis, again, very quiet season. Had a nice breakout year last year, but for the Allen Americans, only two goals in the seven games he's played. He was on Iowa briefly, but they ended up sending him down to the ECHL and only two points. Disappointing. Oh, Pavel Jennings would like to see him come around again from the Czech Republic there. Oh, man. He had 35 points last year for the Rapid City Rush in only 48 games. Very strong uh, showing last season and a drop-off this year. Hopefully, uh, Pavel Jennings can regain that confidence and that swagger and become uh, the valuable player we know he can be. Let's check up on Gustav Olofsson briefly. Yeah, it's the same old story, out again. He's only played two games so far this year. That's what I thought. He hasn't played anything, and he did get an assist in that game, but uh, ultimately frustrating. Just for those curious out there, Mike Riley has four points in 13 games with Montreal. So nothing spectacular, but <clears throat> at least he's getting some minutes. He certainly gets minutes for Montreal, but not so much the points thus far. Mario Lucia hasn't played a game since... Uh, last season after he was traded away to the <laughs> the New Jersey Devils organization. And ever since then, nothing much has been going on. He played for the Birmingham Devils. But yeah, we'll get off Mario Lachia. It's too bad. I Too bad. It's a shame that things haven't really worked out for him. I thought he was going to be a good player, but uh, nothing much really came out of that. That's pretty much what we're going to look at right now. The ECHL, nothing much to say. Maybe I'll check up on Villa, Philip Johansson. Yeah, still stuck. Only one assist in 15 games. Uh, Kovanov is the one I'm excited about a bit, but again, it's just in Quebec Major Junior, but still 24 points. He's already got more goals than last season. Very strong season for uh, <laughs> Kovanov so far. Again, that's the Russian taken in the third round this year. I do think he will skate for Minnesota at some point. And again, Paul Fenton did visit with Mr. <clears throat> uh, Kirill Kaprizov this past week, or at least, you know, they, they had some kind of interaction, so hopefully that can work out. Nothing much information coming out of that. As Paul Fenton, a bit quieter than the average general manager out there, so we'll just have to wait and see how that turns out. Would love to see Mr. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov, but more than likely two years from now. There will be some Russians on this roster at some point. I do believe Sokolov will get to the wild at some point. I like his production in the AHL. It's very encouraging. If the son of a gun can stay healthy, we'll just have to wait and see with that one. Um, Mm, we'll just have to wait and see. Kovanov, though, he's a very intriguing one. Third third round pick, 86 overall. I do think he will escape for the Wild, almost for sure. Uh, but then again, who am I to say? Nice numbers in, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, but let's get him to let's let's get him to Iowa by next year, hopefully. 
That would be fantastic, of course. Yeah, I think you're just going to let him stay in juniors this year and then get him into Iowa, see, see what he can do. I'd like to see Ivan Lodney on the Iowa Wild at one point very soon. Remember, so far, no production at all at the AHL level. Big difference to Mason, Mason Shaw, who's been pretty damn awesome for Iowa so far. Overall, the best best prospect in the system, not in the NHL so far, I would have to say. Uh, in terms of production at the professional level, obviously Kirill Kaprizov is what he is over there. So that's common sense. We know who Kirill Kaprizov is and what a big star he is over there in the KHL. So far, 17 points in his uh, 24 games, 10 of them goals, and we all know what he can do. So with that, I'm going to kind of take a kind of take leave from the prospect talk get to a brief tiny very small conversation on the facebook page here i want to thank vince germano and tanae brown vince germano out of australia and tanae brown out of new zealand by the way for retweeting the show at brave the wild as the twitter account please do give that a follow and interact greatly appreciated want to welcome some of your new uh, followers on the facebook page or likes whatever <laughs> people that have joined the facebook page recently Facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild. Facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild. And a quick shout out to those of you out in, or well, over in uh, Minnesota Wild Hardcore. I want to thank those of you for your interaction and all that. It's fun. Just a beautiful website. Huge shout out to those of you on Minnesota Wild Hardcore. Jim Metal, Sarah Metal, Chad Walski, and of course Chance Kostick, brother-in-law, and others out there that have been fun to interact with. Thank you guys so much for that. I believe there was a comment on here. What happened to it? Oh, it went away. I didn't delete it, but I remember Sebastian was talking about it a little bit. Um, well, we'll just have to let that go, I guess. I thought Sebastian posted something. It went away. But yeah, Facebook page, yeah, we need to get more activity on there. There's a lot of you on the page, but nobody says anything, and I don't understand that. And these are not fake invites. They're like real people that have joined the page on their own. So... I don't know. Come on, guys. Interact a little more. I I know I need to post more often, but still, (laughs) please do post and interact on there. Quiet, quiet week. Again, it's just a week. That's part of it, too, sometimes. But occasionally things happen, which generates some conversation. So I want to encourage you to please call the phone lines, if you could, too. 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for Brave the Wild. And do your statement, shout-out, comment, question, opine, whatever it is. It's greatly appreciated. Always, uh, and if you're new to the show, say your name in town. Like, I'm Jack from Des Moines. You know, something like that. Why not? Why not? <laughs> so it's greatly appreciated. Um, there's the call now button also, which goes to the same phone line, which is, of course, good for anybody international, of course, because it goes through facing messenger. So it's free that way. Same situation. It's a three minute situation, a three minute limit. It'll actually cut you off, unfortunately. So be mindful of that. Then there's the unlimited route, which is the audio submission. I always recommend it. Use the free voice recorder on any smart device there is on the planet. Even audacity. You could use too on your laptop or whatever, or desktop, whatever you use and record it, save it, send it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com, and then I will then very quickly be able to convert it into an mp3 file, thanks to zumzar.com, and there you are in a fan interaction segment, and your voice it will be heard by all the Brave the Wild listeners, all seven of you. No, <laughs> I would hope it's a little better than that, but I don't know. Gotta poke fun at something sometimes. Want to ask some of you out there, if you could, please, if you like this show and you want to help it out, Please write a positive rating on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Podcast if you could. That'd be greatly appreciated. Please do so. And give a five-star rating and write something that you like about the show. Even something you like improved is always welcome. And just thanks again in advance. It's worth its weight in gold. 
Thank you so much for joining on board, if you could, that way or anyway. All the information I gave you about the show, the uh, contact details will be in the show description. With that, I want to wish all of you a nice, healthy, happy week and hopefully a little warmer so I can get back to cleanups. There's still snow on the ground, so I can't do cleanups this Monday morning, unfortunately. So hopefully by Wednesday, things will be melted a little bit so I can get back to work and uh, all that good stuff. I have my regular job too, but yeah, got to get the cleanups done so I can just concentrate on my one regular job until next April. (laughs) But with that, enough about me and go wild. Keep it up. Keep this wonderful stellar play going and please, please stay healthy. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.